the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, yeah, we're just about there, mate. We've previewed uh, 18 of the 20 top flight clubs ahead of the 2024 season. And uh, yes, in this episode, we'll wrap things up. Yeah, I'm actually f- feeling not too bad after a two-hour marathon last night. F- feeling a bit a bit better despite the bad weather in Osaka, and, and really looking forward to, to getting into these final two t- teams, uh, two two of the bigger sides in the league. So yeah, I can't, can't wait to get started. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm okay, but um, yeah, always with a bit of trepidation. I have to talk about uh, FC Tokyo, especially after the <laughs> the season they had uh, last year. But uh, yes, uh, to talk about uh, FC Tokyo, we'll uh, we'll preview Nagoya. Uh, lucky last. Uh, in in this episode, but yes, joining us uh, from uh, the FC Tokyo Kai guys, it's the uh, the Ying to Alex Bishop's Yang. It's uh, Tom Pennington. Tom, welcome back to J Talk. How are you? Cheers, Ben. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, I, I I don't know how to feel about going into this season. You know, well, I mean, we'll we'll get into it, but yeah, no, it's good to be here. Yeah, fantastic to have you on, uh, Tom. So uh, yes, we'll uh, we'll talk about FC Tokyo's 2023. I guess we have to, uh, yeah, relive that. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to brush that aside fairly quickly. We'll talk about the major transfers out and in uh, to the club over the uh, the course of the winter. We'll talk about the manager, Peter Klamowski, uh, one to watch for each of us in the new season and finally Tokyo's prospects for 2024. So yes, 2023, it was a pretty ordinary year for the gas men. They slumped from sixth in 2022 down to 11th in the table last season. Uh, they were 12th at the halfway point, at which point Albert Pooch was uh, sacked after one and a half seasons. Uh, Peter Klamowski took over and won four of his first five games, but uh, Tokyo never got higher than 10th in the second half of the season. They had no unbeaten run of longer than three games, uh, which they managed only once. That was in Klamowski's first three games in charge. So a mini uh, new manager bounce, but uh, yeah, that didn't last all that long. Uh, their 42 goals, four was a middle of the pack with the Diego Oliveira plowing a lone furrow up front with his 15 goals. Uh, no one else got more than four. Their 46 goals against was worse than all 10 teams who finished above them. And Tom, yeah, it was... Uh, a really frustrating season to support Tokyo. Absolutely no consistency whatsoever. And, yeah, the product they were putting out on the pitch uh, on a week-to-week basis was, was a pretty drab, I think, to say the least. Oh, it was uh, – I mean, it was so frustrating, right? They, like, we, we entered 2023 with such high expectations. You know, uh, like, Pooch was uh, adamant. Um, you know, he had he had to get things right, and, and he came into the year thinking that, you know, he'd finally – sorted out a couple of things you know Ryoma was was a fantastic addition uh, that was already working well for us and and you know this was going to be the season to get it all done and then it just fell apart you know uh, I don't even know what to say you know we we still can't get a result in Kyushu or whatever <laughs> whatever the competition it may be <laughs> um you know, the, the some of the results, it, it just as, uh, you know, Pooch had said to us uh, in a separate interview, the, the team just, just, they just gave up, you know, they, they didn't want to play for him or, or for whatever reason, they just gave up after the, you know, a couple of goals gone in. And I mean, yeah, uh, in the second half, 
when when Peter came in, um, I don't even know what to think uh, about his term so far. Um, you know, the, the the lads started out well. You know, as you said, four or five, um, but we ended up pretty much at a five hundred rate. You know, seven wins, seven losses, and I think four draws uh, was what his record was. I'm, I might be wrong on that one, but. I don't know. It, 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 there's so many questions to answer for this season. So I'm, I'm curious as to where we'll go with this. Yeah, I think <laughs> uh, uh, maybe from my, my kind of outside perspective, again, I, I knew it was going to be quite, quite negative here, so I, I tried to find some positivity. But I think the, maybe the most kind of damning thing about the, the FC Tokyo season is that even kind of searching through the statistics, that there's nothing really there that, that says they should have been any higher up the, the league than, than they were. As you rightly pointed out, Ben, that Diego was was fantastic with his, his career high in J1, like 15 goals. But that leaves the the rest of the squad combined had had 27 goals in 37 games, which just isn't isn't good enough. And you know, they the, were seventh, I think, for for a number of goals scored, but the expected goals was only 13th in the league. They're also fourth worst for for expected goal difference. Um, the fourth worst for shots and goal, and then defensively, you know, if you if you divide the expected goals against by number of shots, they were second worst for the kind of quality of chances given up to the the, the opposition. So, yeah, as a, as an outsider, I was quite disappointed too because you know previously you've had, had Kenta Hasegawa, who we'll talk about more later in in the pod, and he was more of a kind of substance over style coach where he got results initially, but kind of didn't really impress anyone. Whereas I think. Both Albert and and Klamowski, you could maybe kind of label them. They've got, you know, they're very popular with the fans in a lot of ways, and they've got this philosophy and way of playing, but it just hasn't really manifested itself on the field yet for for FC Tokyo. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk about Klamowski later. Um, but it is it is very interesting to hear the the kind of views of fans. But maybe we should kind of deviate on that. I don't really have any kind of positive question to fire at Thomas. Yeah, I was, yeah Johnny, I was going to say, you, where, where's the positivity, mate? You said you were going to come in with something positive there. That, that, that's in a, a later section when we get to players in. I think. Fair play. Fair play. Just a, a really frustrating season, as we said, no consistency, um, and yeah, a, a real lack of direction. Uh, I think pretty much the entire way. And after what had come in the previous season, when Tokyo hung around uh, inside the top six and at, at times, you know, threatened to, uh, to to make a late push for an, an ACL berth that ultimately came to nothing. Uh, but uh, yeah, to see them uh, tumble down the table to 11th last year was uh, simply not good enough. And with a, a bloated and an aging squad in, well, in certain positions, um, at the end of the season, I think uh, myself, maybe Tom, and a lot of Tokyo supporters hoped there would be a proper clean-out uh, at last oh, at the club. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, that, that didn't really eventuate. Some of the uh, the old campaigners uh, signed their new contracts as they, as they do uh, each and every year, so they're still around for another go-round. And, um, yeah, in, in terms of the, the major transfers out from the club um i, I guess uh, jakob slovic is a, a headline name the uh, the goalkeeper who uh, just unfortunately yeah, it didn't work out i really got behind that signing when it was announced and uh, initially um i thought uh, yeah he he justified uh, the club going after him but uh, yes his uh, distribution yeah. problems uh, were um yeah evident and ultimately led to him uh, sliding down the pecking order at the club. I think, yeah, still one of the better shot stoppers in J1, but yeah, didn't fit in with uh, what Klamowski uh, wanted from a goalkeeper. Uh, 
Tom's already mentioned it, Ryoma Watanabe. Well, he scored the goal of the season and then, um, yeah. yeah, packed up his bags and uh, went to Urawa. Uh, Koki Sukagawa, we've spoken already on our uh, Kyoto preview about him. Uh, he didn't last long after coming over from Kawasaki. Another transfer I was uh, getting right behind, but another one that hasn't worked out. Uh, a Dialton, who had a really uh, yeah off-season uh, last year after getting into double digits in goals in 2022, has uh, joined the presumptive uh, ACL champions Kofu in uh, J2 <laughs> and Naoki Kamata as well the 19 year old centre forward who has joined Genk in Belgium on loan and has left all FC Tokyo supporters feeling very un-Genk uh, about that because uh, yeah we never really got a chance to see much of him in the first team so uh, Tom of those uh, major transfers out uh, which uh, one or two or maybe none of them do you think will have the, the most impact uh, on the squad moving forward uh, I mean it has to be Dioma I, I mean the the whole squad was built uh, around him like like Albert had designed a, a squad that suited his style of play you know um, Nakagawa came in last season not the not 2023 but season before that to, to try and like bolster the attack. Um, you know that he he's a huge huge loss for the club, and I don't know if we've been able to replace that. Okay, well, yeah, that's an interesting take because um, yeah, I, I I do rate him as a player, but I think uh, Tokyo have done extremely well bringing in um, wide forwards and uh, yeah, oh, really bolstered the attack. So oh yeah, don't get me wrong, like I think you know. He's a, he was an established player. I think I think it was a really great season for him. You know, obviously we could have used a few more goals, but you know, the Diego obviously uh, took the plaudits for that. Um, but I I initially thought that when we saw that, if you think about the timing, there was the rumors about Yoma leaving for Udawa, or you know, it was almost all set and done. And then we we come and announce uh, Araki from Kashima, and I thought, okay, well. Araki's, you know, he he had a little bit of an off season, but he's an exciting prospect. He's young, and he could learn something from uh, from Doma. I thought that they would be a great team together. Unfortunately, the Udao uh, rumors came through, and I thought, you know, well, we just lost an established attacking threat. We did bolster it. I do agree, but I think Doma, he he's just too big of a, a presence that we we could have used uh, going forward and. With Nakagawa possibly, uh, you know, his injury uh, line of, you know, whether he's good when he's in, he's great. But when he gets injured, he's off for, for an extended amount of time. And, and I don't think, um, you know, with that situation, we, we have enough depth to cover uh, in attack. All right, then. Um, brief words on the, any of the transfers out that you wanted to mention there, Johnny? Um, yeah, I think it's interesting to hear your, your talk about, about Watanabe and but also the, the fact that, I mean, he's not really guaranteed to start at Urawa other than may, maybe at left back when they have yeah. players missing at, at the Olympics or the, um, the under-23 Asian Cup. So that, that would be another source of, uh, kind of kind of pain, I think, for, for FC Tokyo supporters. The, the other oh, one yeah. I wanted to mention, just to kind of get you guys' opinion, Adanton, I, I know you're talking about a clear out getting rid of older players and his goal-scoring return wasn't as good last year as it has been in previous years, but there's only three foreigners on the books at FC Tokyo. Is there a feeling that you could have maybe held on to him for an extra year? You know, that's, so that was a, a big question for me as well. I, I still thought he, he would have been good, but 
I think the change in how the Levang Cup is now, whether it's mm-hmm. a, it's now a single knockout um, game instead of you know this this whole group stage that that they've done away with, um, I think that further reduced his game time, and I think Peter made the decision based off of how many games is he going to actually get. You know, is he going to be able to come off of the bench and, and supply a couple of goals here or there? Um, could he start the Levang Cup match? Maybe, you know, I just think it's due to a lack of games and Kofu were able to to offer him more um, than any J1 team was was willing to do. So I, I think it just came down to Adalton wanting to play more. He got an opportunity. He's, you know, in the Champions League right now playing for Kofu. So I, I just think it just came down to that, honestly. Um, a couple of the younger players may be coming off the bench that might be more keen to just, you know, accept their role as getting two or three games here and so forth. But Adelton, I think he felt like he could still start, and I don't think he was going to displace Diego for that. Well, yeah, I mean, he barely started, I think, in the last couple of seasons, had he? And, yeah, yeah. when we when we get into, the, yeah, the transfers in, in attacking areas, I think there's really no uh, possibility for Klamowski to guarantee Adelton any more starts than he was getting under him uh, in the second half of last season. And, yeah, I mean, as yeah. a Tokyo supporter, do you want uh, Tawara Tsumida coming off the bench uh, or do you want Adalton coming off the bench? Well, Adalton is a, you know, a, a, a genuine threat coming in off the left. Um, you know, he, yeah, he was very hit and miss last year. And I think, yeah, all Tokyo supporters want to see uh, Tawara Tsumida. Um, got it the first time. Uh, yeah, we want to see him <laughs> develop as much as he can. And, um, yeah, I mean, while Adalton had been a, a, a valuable uh, member of the squad in in recent seasons, yeah, I personally wouldn't want to see him get in the way of of developing a, a youngster like Al Kolta. So yeah, it's a good question, Johnny, and it's an interesting way that yeah Tokyo have um, have handled their their foreign spots this season. Yeah, with obviously Slowik uh, leaving as well. So yeah, there are there has been space there for the club to do more in that regard. But they've uh, they've decided uh, against that at least as the uh, yeah the season uh, comes. Uh, ever closer uh, with, uh, yeah, it, it, Tokyo's first game, of course, uh, coming up on Saturday. So, all right, then let's just switch gears and, uh, yeah, maybe some positivity here. Uh, Johnny, I'll come to you first because uh, Tokyo have, um, yeah, cast their net fairly wide to uh, to bring in some uh, really exciting new attackers. And um, also, as we've uh, we, we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, a, a really um, impressive-looking uh, central midfielder in Takahiro Ko. Yes, someone I know from from his time at, at Gamba when he, he started off his his career. He, he was a bundle of energy. He was maybe a bit a bit raw in those days. And uh, again, I was saying to Lewis last night about like Yamami. I wish he just stepped down to the middle of J two. Co did that move. He went down to to uh, Yamaguchi in the bottom half of J two. Showed his worth. Moved his way back to to Niigata at the top of J two. Has helped him stabilise in in J one. And, and he is a a really good player. And yeah, he he showed himself to be J one level. So. I think he's been a very key player in in what is a is a very crowded and very stacked sort of central midfield area. You've got you've got Ko, you've got Koizumi, Matsuki, Harakawa, Terayama, and maybe to your ch- chagrin, uh, Mr. Higashi's still around. Or how much he plays this season, all that talent around him, maybe maybe not so much. So yeah, I'm a <laughs> big fan of that signing, Ko. And it, it there definitely does seem to be a bit of a kind of age profile around like Ko. Araki Ogashiwa, that they're all they're all kind of coming up to their prime, which is an area Tokyo have struggled with recently. They've had a lot of youngsters, 
and a lot of aging veterans, but not enough players spending their prime years in in Tokyo. So so hopefully he can he can stick around and, and do that. So that it gives a very exciting kind of forward spine. I, I know we've got got a question mm-hmm. about Iraqi um, that we'll maybe kind of go on, come back to later. But I think this is a 50-50, but Iraqi, if it all goes according to plan, has the potential to be the best signing anyone makes the, the, this offseason. He was that good at the back end of, of his, his debut campaign in 2020, and then 2021 was fantastic before he kind of got injured and then Iwamasa out of the lineup. So if if the things that weren't working for him at Kashima do work for him in, in Tokyo and he, he clicks with Klamovsky and what he's trying to do, it could be an absolutely mm. fantastic piece of business allied to Ogashiwa and Oliveira working as a partnership, a bit like you said, Thomas, that you talked um, Watanabe and Araki might do. Ogashiwa obviously mm. has been a bit injury prone in the past, which is great. You've still got uh, Diego around, different type of player than Diego, not not quite as physical or strong, but much, much quicker. So I really like those those two options. And also, uh, I know Stuart Woodward was complaining the other week about um, Keita Endo not, not going back to Marinos and instead coming to FC Tokyo. And very interesting because he knows Klamovsky from his time at, at Marinos and he really, really improved so much in his, his two and a bit years under under Ange and Klamovsky at Marinos. His move to Europe's really not not worked out uh, at all. So um, good, good to see him back in the league and, and hopefully yeah, he, working with Klamovsky again can really bring the, the best out of him. So a lot of uh, exciting kind of moves in attack. The, the, the other one I wanted to, to actually talk about just before I bring you in, Thomas, um, was it goalkeeper who you, you brought back? Uh, Go Hatano from Nagasaki. And I was kind yep. of wondering, because I know uh, Shota Arai is a goalkeeper from, from Jeff, went to Vissel Kobe this offseason. Yep. I thought he might have been a better option you could bring in with Nozawa and he's a very experienced goalkeeper, but he's not like a like a Higashi Gucci who's like breathing down the young goalkeeper's neck the minute he makes yeah. a mistake. I wonder what the kind of thinking is with like Nozawa. If you bring back Hatano, he's played every game for Nagasaki, and if he just sits on the bench, it's kind of a waste. I'd kind of rather see him stay at Nagasaki, get promoted, get a year under his belt in J1, then come back if Nozawa goes to Europe. So that, that, that's an interesting one. So what, what do you make of that and also the, the, the moves kind of further forward in the squad? So I think the goalkeeping question is probably the biggest one Tokyo have for this offseason. I, I, you know, Hatano, he, he's actually already got a trophy with Tokyo. He's, he's got the League Cup, which he admittedly did make a mistake in the final. But, you know, he was a young keeper at that time. Um, we brought in Sloic and sent Hatano out on loan to Nagasaki after that. And, you know, Hatano was, Hatano needed to be playing first team. There, there's no question about that. Yeah. Then Brandon comes into the picture because obviously he suited uh, Peter's style of play more than Slovak did. And you saw that if Hatano was there, I think that's Hatano that gets that spot, not not Brandon. Mm-hmm. But Brandon didn't play horrible. You know, he, he distributed his distribution was great and he made a couple of great saves as well. You know, unfortunately, sometimes defense wasn't there in front of him. And then that led to uh, some bad goals. But it's really a big question for me. Who gets the start? I think Hatano has a lot more experience, you know, at, uh, in the first team with you. Know, we talked about Nagasaki last season. They're mm-hmm. both academy players. So they both come through the squad. Um, they bleed blue and red. Uh, Hatano is famous for his, uh, you know, this is our house. This is FC Tokyo's <laughs> house uh, after beating Verdi, which gained him a lot more support uh, with us, obviously. I honestly, I think Brandon gets the nod 
ahead of Hatano just on the fact that Peter has seen him more mm. and just because of what happened with last season. You know, Peter knew exactly or knows exactly what kind of goalkeeper uh, Brandon is, whereas Hatano is coming back and having to fight for that spot. So I think Brandon gets the nod at the weekend versus Cerezo, but Hatano is going to be really, really close to, to, to also fighting for that number one spot. How about how about for the forward like the the Ko uh, Endo Araki Ogashiwa? How, how excited are you to see them p- pulling on an FC Tokyo jersey this season? Well, so so that's what I that's what I was saying about earlier, right? You know, when 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 the rumors about Watanabe leaving um, were coming up, and then we went and signed Araki, I thought that was a great signing for Tokyo. I think you know he he's a very very exciting player. He had some great stats. You know, you mentioned that he was injured injured for a lot uh, last season and, you know, his form dropped off. But I think if we had uh, like a mentor for him uh, within Tokyo, and I think that's going to be, you know, the way it's looking, it's going to have to be um, uh, Nakagawa, right? Because there's no one else really that, that he can kind of lead on. But I, I'm excited to see him play. I'm excited to see Endo play because, you know, we, we've made some great additions. We, we shedded a lot of weight. Unfortunately, we've kept the one that I really have been wanting to get rid of since <laughs> 2018, I think. He's, I don't know how he manages to stick around, but he does. And we, know, we all know who I'm talking about there. Um, I think uh, Matsuki is going to be one to watch as well because this could be his, his other break, his breakout season where he ends up getting more attention from Europe. I think that was the one player that I thought, honestly, last season was going to go halfway through the season in the summer. Uh, he somehow didn't get enough interest or maybe, you know, the rumors weren't uh, strong enough to link him with a position. But, you know, I'm glad he's still with us because he's a great player. And the, I think in, in de- I think defense is still going to be our weakest point, though. Uh, you, you know, Morishige is not getting any younger. Trevison really is hit and miss. You know, I, I saw a stat the other the other week where it had him marked as, uh, a player who has won the most aerial or one of the most uh, aerial header winners in in all center backs across the entire world that put him up there with like Van Dyke and whatnot <laughs> which I thought was very very bizarre you see all of these players and then there's FC Tokyo Trevor so I'm going that's not one but he, he's very hit and miss you know he, I, I think back to some of the games uh, for example we we went out to to Kumamoto uh, it was our first game back after the the break and we just he got uh, a yellow card, admittedly, but some of the gameplay that he had there, he was making these poor decisions. He, he was exposing the defense. And we just, I, I don't understand some of the decision-making that he was coming with. And, and it really, really uh, puts us under threat at the back. Um, I think we need to be looking at a little bit more stronger, younger centre-backs to kind of bolster our defense. Because if they go down, you know, Morishige is... Again, he, he, he's a good captain, he's a good leader, but he's losing his pace. And I don't think that he can cover um, a lot of our, uh, of our defensive mistakes. Um, Kimoto, obviously, is another, is another player. I, I, I'm very skeptical. I, I just don't rate our defense still. I, I, th- I think that's still our weak point. We've got a great attacking uh, team now, but our defense is still lacking. Is there any chance that uh, Te- Tepe Oka, who's a youth team graduate, he's come back from Meiji University, who were very successful last year. And I, I know, yeah. like for example, uh, Hotaka Nakamura came straight from from them and played regularly for for FC Tokyo. Yeah. And 
Tsuyoshi Watanabe came basically straight from university into the, the FC Tokyo first team. Is there any word yep. that he might potentially be, be a starter by the end of the season? I think it's too early to tell for that. Mm. You know, it, there, there's no way that Morishige is going to be displaced. You know, he's the captain, so I, that really only puts uh, Treverson's spot under threat. Um, and Treverson did have a very serious injury the, uh, not too long ago as well. So, I mean, if he does pick up a knock, that could be his way into the squad. But at the time, for the time being, I think he's below Kimoto as well. Um, and, and with that, I, I can see him maybe getting the Levain Cup start. But mm-hmm. I don't see I don't see him making a, his way into the squad unless it's through injury or or a serious drop in form from either Morishige or or Treverson. But um, no, you're you're right about the academy grads. Right, I think that was one thing that excited us about last season at the beginning of the season was that mm-hmm. uh, Albert had said he was going to give his academy um, as many starts as possible. You know, Kashif came through that. You know, about uh, Nakamura, Hotaka. He's, he, mm-hmm. I mean. I was so heartbroken for him because he had that great game against Hiroshima. You know, he, he did it all and then he gets injured and that was his season done. And I thought I was just at the right time for him. We had sheep on the left. We had him on the right and the team was really going forward nicely. And to lose a player like that, who's so young and so I, I, I'll say daring. You know, he, he really did want to make those, those, those threatening runs and, and, and plays, and, and it showed early on in the season. So to lose him out that, like we did um, really, really weakened us at the back even more than we needed. So I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping um, Oka will, uh, will, will come into it and, and uh, you know, we'll see how, how it goes. But at the time, for the time being, I, I just don't see him getting into the first team. Yeah, he's an interesting one, Orca, and I wonder whether, uh, yeah, the club have been that impressed with the, his development that that might have been part of the reason why they let uh, CG Kimura uh, leave uh, this season, but uh, on loan. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, I agree with Thomas that yeah, he's he's down the pecking order at the moment, but uh, yeah, definitely one to watch this season. Yeah, f- uh, I'll just throw my uh, two cents in on the the new attackers. Yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing. Uh, I think they're uh, yeah, the the three of them, Ogashiwa, Endo, and uh, Araki, all offer yeah something different and something um really exciting i think that could uh, get supporters off their seats uh, at ajinomoto stadium and um yeah for uh, well i don't want to spoil my one to watch but uh, yeah it definitely comes from uh from that trio and uh, yeah i think uh, the club should be commended for um yeah pushing the boat out and landing a, a couple of big fish here and yeah if it if it gets f marinos's fans uh, backs up that uh, we've uh, nicked kata endo well then yeah we probably um yeah that's something that we should be doing a lot more of i think we've had to see uh, yeah some of our past players uh, come back into the league to and join other clubs uh, looking at you yoshinori muto so uh, yeah hopefully uh, kata endo can can do the business and um yeah fire fc tokyo back up the table maybe a little bit closer to yokohama f knows than we were last year all right so johnny i'll come to you with the the first question on the manager we've uh, we've spoken about yeah the, some of the transfers in in attack in in midfield uh, it should be said that ricky harakawa has joined on a permanent basis from Cerezo osaka as well to uh, yeah to add that to that depth in the center of the park and yes we know hatano is back so uh, do you think the club have um, have backed 
Peter Klamovsky with the, the sort of players that um, he might have been asking them for at, at the end of last year? I mean, the jury is still uh, very firmly out on uh, Klamovsky, but I mean, he, he definitely had his excuses last year. He, he in, inherited a squad halfway through the season and pretty much had to make do. So is this likely to be a, a make or break season for him, do you think? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to spin the question back to both you and Thomas as well at, at some point. But yeah, Klamovsky, I'm, I'm very much on on the fence about him because I think a lot of his reputation comes from his time as as Ange Postecoglou's uh, assistant, both at the Australian national team and at Yokohama F Marinos. I will go into bat for him and say that I think his his dismissal at both Shimizu and, and Yamagata I think was premature in in both cases, but. What kind of concerns me slightly, thinking from an FC Tokyo perspective, is that at neither of those clubs did he ever really threaten to overachieve. At best, he just kind of hit, hit the kind of minimum requirement, I think, at both sides. And yeah, you're right, last season he came in halfway through. It's always very nice when a club makes a change after like exactly halfway through the season because it makes a very easy comparison. And it, I, I expected the defence would kind of disintegrate a bit while the attack got a bit better, was what I thought. But they conceded 10 goals less in the second half of the season than in the first half and scored two goals less. And yeah, as, as Thomas said earlier, they picked up a, a, a few extra wins, but they didn't get that much better. And I mean, honestly, at times, like, you know, if, if he didn't if he didn't pan to the bench and show Klamovsky, it could have been Albert or it could have really been anyone in charge. So I, I really would like to see someone kind of change the culture of the club in, in a way, like or the, the playing staff, at least whatever they can do. Because I, I remember when, when you guys came back from, from 2-0 down to beat Sagantosu, I think you came out with a stat, Ben, you'd seen that it was the first time since the Clinton era that the FC Tokyo came back from 2-0 <laughs> down. And it's one of the things, even if that's not true, it, it's very believable because it, it always seems as a, as a supporter of an opposition team, FC Tokyo, no matter who the coach is or who the players are, I think if you go if you go into a game against them one nil down at half time, you have the feeling we'll probably lose two or three nil. If you go in one nil up, it's going to be the opposite. We'll win two or three nil. It just seems to be it hinges so much on the on the first goal scorer and and also I mean it hinges a lot on, on individual play. You mentioned what Watanabe got the goal of the season. Tawaratsumida scored a goal of the month, and I think yeah Diego had a couple of goal of the month contenders. I really would like to see Klamovsky foster that kind of team play that, that Marinos had during the, the best of the, the Postacoglu era and also a bit more strength, a bit more steel. The, the opposite of what you said, Albert described that the players kind of giving up. I think those are the kind of things that I really like to see him. I really want to see him succeed and, and do it because I do believe in him, but I've yet to really see it in his, his coaching career. So again, to, to flip it back to you guys, I'll, I'll come to you first, Thomas, like, what kind of like how long a reign does Klamovsky have with, with the fans? If if FC Tokyo is swimming around 11th and 12th mid-season, does he go, or do you see it as more of a longer-term project? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, it, it's difficult to answer that with, with with clarity because you know I'm like I'm I'm with you on 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 being uh, on the fence still uh, about him. You know, I was very firm, strong believer of Albert's style of play. The fact that he was keen to get younger players in, his desirability to 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 get that youth into the team, but he wasn't properly backed by uh, the board. I felt, you know, he, he said he wanted youth, and he goes and signs senior players like Nakagawa, for example. So I was really skeptical on on uh, you know, you're saying one thing and then either the board is doing something else or 
some, it, it, you know, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it just wasn't matching what it was. In Peter's case, I don't get that feeling. I get the feeling that Peter has said he wants certain attacking style players. He's gone out and got them. And I think that is the one thing that suited, you know, you look at the, like, Angeball, for example, in the modern notes here, unfortunately, in 2019, right, like, the, the amount of times they scored in, like, the first couple of minutes, I think this team can can be capable of that. You know, they have the attacking threat to do it. Will they do it? I don't know. But I think in Peter's case, if we get to the halfway season and we're mid-table, I mean, that's just par for the course with Tokyo. It's 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 always the way it is with us. We're we're we've always been a mid-table J1 club. Um, and do I see him going? No, I don't think so. I mean, he came in halfway through the season. This is the season for him to get the results. Unless things are going really bad and we're in a relegation fight, I can see him finishing the season. I I, I don't see why not. Uh, I mean, th- yeah, I mean that's it though, Thomas, isn't it? We're we're always mid-table, and it's it's just yeah. not good enough. And until somebody can properly shake things up, then it's just going to be a, a never-ending cycle of mediocrity. And yeah, Johnny, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I want to see somebody, yeah, really shake things up. And yeah, w- I was hoping that this would be the off-season when a lot of the deadwood was cut adrift. And yeah, just it just hasn't happened. And hopefully, the the more experienced players will be will be phased out and properly phased out. And these uh, these good young attackers and the midfielders that are, have come into the the team uh, this winter will be given their heads and given the opportunity to express themselves uh, by Klamovsky. And he won't won't have to look over his shoulder at, um, you know, the experienced players trying to backstab him. So, um, yeah, I, I'm i not sure if he's the right man for the job either. But, you know, I mean, his first impression was very strong, you know, swearing up a, a blue streak in his first meeting <laughs> when, when he came in. And I don't know if he's been able to, you know, maintain that fire and, and maintain that passion and how long uh, a squad of mostly Japanese players will put up with that or um, before they start tuning it out. I, I don't know if he's, uh, you know, uh, adapted his approach in his, uh, towards the end of his first season and now in his first preseason in charge of the team. So um, yeah, for, for many reasons, it's, uh, I think it is a make or break campaign for him. Um, I mean, this time last year, Tom, you wouldn't have um, uh, sanctioned the thought of, of Pucci leaving in mid-se- mid-season, no. would you? I mean, you were, uh, uh, as we know, you, you you got to know him and you interviewed him uh, a couple of times for, for JTalk and, you know, a very um, personable man and obviously an extremely smart um, footballing mind. And, you know, he'd taken us to six in his first season and we hoped that he would be the man to kick us on. But as we now know, the, the rest is history and that didn't eventuate. So, yeah, is, is Klamovsky going to be the man to, like, properly shake things up? Um, well, yeah, I hope so. Uh, and, you know, the, the proof will be in the pudding. But um, in terms of the transfers, I, I think he has been supported by the club. And now his window of excuses has, has run out. And he, he will want his actions to, to speak on the pitch and his players to implement his methods. And, yeah, hopefully that will be enough to uh, to, to really kick uh, Tokyo up the table. Was there anything else you wanted to add on Klamowski, Tom, before we move on? I- I was just going to say, I mean, the difference when when we brought in Pooch, if you remember, was that he came in not at the not halfway through the season. Like we had sacked Hasegawa after that dreadful game at Nissan. And then we had an interim manager for the rest of the season. You know, Pooch didn't come in until at the end. And it was not uh, until after we had announced a whole number of signings. 
right? And and at that point, you wonder, is that the club making the decision or is that them consulting with Pooch and Pooch making the decision? This case, we don't have that. We had we had Peter come in halfway through the season. You know, he, he set his standard of what his expectations were. And then now he's gone to the club and said, these are the kind of players we want to target. And I think the club have gone out and got that. So my expectation with Peter, to, to be honest with you, at the beginning of the season is a little bit higher than it was for Pooch at the end because he had basically come in and decided, you know, who wants to make the, what what players he wants and how, how he's going to do it, whereas Pooch didn't get that. Pooch basically was given the tools and said, okay, go with it, see what you can do. So so I would say that my expectations for Peter are, are, are just that little bit higher um, as we get into like the first quarter, and we'll see how things go after that. Okay, let's move on to our ones to watch then. And, uh, Tom, I'll let the guest go first. So, yes, this can be a, a new signing into the club, a, uh, an academy graduate or a young player breaking through uh, into the the first-team squad for the first time, or maybe a, a more established member of the squad that you think will have a, a more of a role this season. Uh, the uh, Yeah, the, the floor is yours. Who's your one to watch for the gas men this year? I, I mean, I was excited when he, when this signing was announced. Jojo uh, Araki has to be for me. I mean, he, he he's a young, exciting uh, player who probably has uh, something to prove this season. Uh, I don't know. I don't exactly know why Kashima let him go. I think maybe maybe they just you know felt that he couldn't uh, compete, and and I think he might have a bit of a chip on his shoulder that you know he's he's out to not only prove to his ex team but also to the league that you know he is the real deal and, and he could um, could bag a couple of goals and get, get a good number of assists for us. So I, I have to say it's Araki. So with that in mind, we did get a question from Sam and Johnny, you mentioned it earlier. Um, Johnny, uh, you might know better than uh, Tom or I do. Sam asks, what do you think went wrong at Kashima with uh, Ryotaro Araki? And do you think the environment at FC Tokyo can help him get his career back on track? Maybe you can uh, answer the first bit and then Tom and I can uh, talk about the environment in inverted commas at FC Tokyo and whether that can actually help anyone. Um, it's actually quite interesting because I, I, I had a bit of time this afternoon, so I, I put the word out to a couple of Japanese friends, but both both Gamba fans. But well, one of them came back with an interesting article, which is is the most I've ever heard about Araki. So you know, he started 2022, had a had a really good game. You, you might remember the, the infamous Yuma Suzuki rolling in the ground against Gamba incident. Well, uh, <laughs> ten men, uh, Araki ran the show in a comfortable 3-1 win, but was injured shortly after. And then I think the rest of that season was largely ruined by injury. But then the, the, the coach, when he came back to full fitness, was Daiki Iwamasa, who, according to the article my, my friend showed me and, and kind of translated from Japanese, seemed to say that Iwamasa favoured players with strong fighting qualities and strong physical qualities running around. And he saw Araki and, and Yuta Matsumura as more kind of luxury players, like flair players that didn't really fit in with what he was trying trying to do. And I know Mr. Iwamasa is not, no, I think it's a, a, a podcast, um, it's not a podcast favourite, let, let's just put it that way. So... Again, listeners are free, free to make up their own mind who, who is right and who is wrong. But it seemed like he didn't fit the club culture that was created there by Iwamasa and maybe some of the, the, the senior players. It, it, what I think is quite interesting for me is I was kind of and I was kind of fishing for this because the, the last player to to move uh, on loan from Kashima to FC Tokyo was the extremely prodigi- prodigiously talented, uh, but maybe slightly temperamental, shall we say, uh, Leandro. But there, there's, nothing I, I found, there's nothing at all that, that suggests that Araki has anything like a bad attitude or 
anything like that. It seemed to be more Iwamasa didn't fancy him or didn't like something about the way he played. His attitude seems to be fine, which, I mean, fundamentally, that that, that is a good thing for, for FC Tokyo. But my, my friend did, did have a have a dig at, at Kashima for being in the countryside and said he has to be very careful coming into the city in FC Tokyo and <laughs> <laughs> not spending too much time in Kabukicho. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Terrific. That, that, that's that, that's what I know, but I mean, what about you guys? Do you think that the environment, like both the the physical environment and also the club culture, is that going to be a good fit for someone like Iraqi? Do you think? Go for it, Tom. I, yeah, no, I know. Th- I think I, it's interesting you bring up Leandro because I think with Leandro's case, he was already known to be a bit temperamental uh, at, K- at Kashima, and I I think he kind of forced his way out of the squad there. Um, I think by comparison, I, yeah, I, I think Araki is, is a level-headed person. And you look at the players that he would be surrounded by, by comparison, Leandro was with all of the Brazilians. And, you know, the, they, they, have, they think of a, a certain way of how they should be treated. And they consider themselves to be the superstars. I think Araki is going to be a little bit more level-headed when he comes into the squad here. And, you know, as I mentioned, I, he might have that chip on his shoulder to say, like, look, I know I can do this. He's got the skill to do it. He's got the mentality to do it. I think he just needs to now go on the pitch and show it. Um, as to who and, and or, or what might might help him, I mean, Matsuki is right there. Matsuki is another young player who who is really... He's had his own injuries, so he kind of can relate with that. And I think the two of them could link up quite well. I, I can see them forming quite the bond on and off the pitch. Yeah, an interesting answer, Tom. Yeah, um, for me, yeah, I don't think Tokyo has a great track record of um, getting any uh, reclamation projects uh, up and up and running and back to their best. But yeah, I, I guess they're coming into the club uh, alongside uh, Ogashiwa and Endo and yeah, joining a, a setup that features a, a terrific young player like Matsuki, yeah, could be beneficial for Araki. And uh, yeah, presuming that he fits in well into the club, then yeah, hopefully we'll be able to see him back to his best and, uh, and really shining uh, as well. So um, yeah, great question. Question, Sam. Thanks for that insight, Johnny. I wasn't aware of of that story, so yeah, um, yeah that yeah shed some really interesting light on it uh, for uh, for both of us, and yeah, uh, hopefully for the listeners as well. So that's uh, much appreciated. Um, I'll go next because I, I wonder if my uh, my one to watch might be stolen by Johnny. Uh, I'm going for Tsuyoshi Ogashiwa. Uh, he's come in from Sapporo. Uh, Johnny's mentioned his uh, fitness concerns over uh, the last uh, several seasons, but yeah, when he is fit and available, he is an absolutely dynamic forward, and yeah, offers I think a, a really interesting foil for uh, for. D- Diego Oliveira up front for Tokyo, a uh, vastly different player, but yeah, offers so much, uh, a lot of pace, uh, really direct runs, and uh, seems to have the uh, the happy knack of bobbing up at the right place at the right time to score poachers' goals. So yeah, um, a, a, a full season from a fit Tsuyoshi Ogashiwa, I think, guarantees you at least 10 to 12 goals, and yeah, hopefully he'll um, really hit the ground running for Tokyo, uh, settle in quickly into Klamowski's system, get a regular run uh, in the team whether it's um yeah not necessarily starting from match day one i wouldn't say but yeah he'll be uh, heavily involved one of the first attackers off the bench if he doesn't start i'm sure and um yeah i'm really really looking forward to seeing him with an honorable mention to uh, to Keita endo as well uh, johnny who's your one to watch for tokyo in 2024 
Despite um, butchering Kawasaki's new right back's name and even Neil's calling him Sai in his blog, I, I have gone for the, the very long name Kota Tawara Tsubida and I got it right there. So um, <laughs> he, he certainly made, made, made my Gamba Osaka pay last season with a fantastic goal. I think it won one goal of the month for, for October. Um, but yeah, took 27 appearances in his, his debut season and uh, initially used as a sub quite often, but becoming a, a starter more as, as time went on. And he, he added another goal against uh, Sagantosu, so took two goals in a week um, to, to that fantastic strike against Gamba, got, got an assist as well, played well in the Cups, was, was down the left, could, can also play in the right, theoretically. And I think you know, potentially having you know, attack was a, was a bit of a weakness for FC Tokyo last year, but having all these new young, vibrant attacking options to, to work off. I think we could really see him kick on in the, the second the second season and working under an attack-minded coach like uh, like Peter Klimovsky. I'd definitely go for, for Tawara Tsumida to, um, to be my one to watch. Just quickly throwing in also the young Yunosuke Sato, who, who I think turned pro in the middle of last season and was the, the captain of FC Tokyo under-18s last year. Played for Japan in the last year's Under-17 World Cup and had a couple of Levant Cup appearances last year. Uh, definitely one to watch, maybe in that right wing or kind of number 10 role, maybe towards the back end of the season or, or getting some cups. So that's the one down the line, but definitely Kota Tawara Tsumida, keep your eyes peeled on, uh, keep your eyes peeled for him uh, this season. Yep, terrific stuff. Thank you very much, Johnny. All right, so, yeah, we've gone for uh, for three different Tokyo attackers uh, as our ones to watch. So hopefully, yeah, all three of those will uh, will do their business this year. And as I said, fire Tokyo uh, back up the table. Okay, before we wrap up with our uh, prospects for, for 2024 and um, I guess a, a rough prediction about how we think the season will go, uh, Tom, we uh, you might not have listened yet, but we recorded with uh, Verdi supporter Lewis White uh, last night in the in episode four mm-hmm. a of our previews and um, yeah talked to Lewis about Tokyo Verde of course and their uh, their return to J1 after an extremely long absence. Um, Brett Bobby Sud had a question for us about um, the the Tokyo Derby. Uh, Brett says for those of us who have only started following the J League in the last decade or so and have never experienced a Tokyo Derby in the league, how big of a matchup is FC Tokyo versus Tokyo Verde, and how does it measure up against other J League derbies in terms? of atmosphere and intensity. You know, you're a season ticket holder. You go to all the home games. How big is yep. it for you to have uh, to have Verdi back in the league? And, um, yeah, where does it stack up for you in terms of, um, well, in terms the overall J-League picture of, of derbies and how they uh, how intense they are? I mean, it, it, I mean, for us, it's right up there. It, it, it has to be the game of, of our season uh, in, the, in the league, to be honest with you. Um, you, you know, to for for those that aren't aren't familiar uh, or have just recently started following the league, you know, Verdi used to be based out of uh, Kawasaki, and a lot of people, like uh, especially um, FC Tokyo supporters, felt quite slighted when they came back to Tokyo or came into Tokyo, and you know, moved into Ajinomoto with us, and and you know, came, you know, we shared the same ground and 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 all of that, and they claimed to be a Tokyo club as well. You know, the majority, the vast majority of their trophies were won when they were Verdi Kawasaki. So, you know, that's they like to claim their history, and but they did it all in another prefecture, not in Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> but, but to be honest, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a big one for us. It, it, we don't have any kind of derby that really compares. You know, everybody mentions the 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 Tamagawa Classico um, with with uh, Frontale, but the, the, you know, Frontale is is not Tokyo. 
it, it, we needed that Tokyo team. And, and it's just every game, you know, the, the, the Emperor's Cup match we had last season, the, the build-up to that was just unlike anything else. You could feel it from the Tokyo supporters. You could feel it from the Verdi supporters. We ju- both sets just wanted this to be a league fixture. And thankfully, we've got that this season. Um, so it, it is going to be so exciting to finally, you know, face off in J1 again for the first time in what feels like forever. I mean, it, it, as long as I've lived here, we've never shared a J1 status. So it's, it, it, it'll be an exciting uh, fixture uh, for us, definitely. Um, I think uh, the, other, the other thing is that, you know, when, I think every, if you look at what happened last season as well, where we got the, the fines for it, I mean, that just showed you the passion that the Tokyo supporters have for this fixture. You know, we, we love taking the piss out of them when it comes to calling them Verdi Kawasaki, uh, the green side of, of Kawasaki. You know, the, the, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Qatar 2022 guys that were saying, uh, you know, train this way, this way. We're like, we're telling Verdi, go back to Kawasaki, Kawasaki this way, you know? So, so it's, it's, it's something we're really, really looking forward to. It, I, I think um, a lot of the, the, the ultras will have a few special banners planned for that one for sure. Yeah, most definitely. And, uh, well, yeah, Kai had a question about uh, Ajinomoto Stadium, Tom, but I, I don't know how yeah. you uh, how you feel these days uh, about the uh, the old lady. Uh, we've obviously been there um, pretty much the entire time we've been uh, in the J-League and in J1, yeah. uh, most definitely. So, um, I mean, for me, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a track. Uh, it's a stadium with a track. It's not uh, it's not the only one. It's not the worst in, in j uh, in J1, it's not the worst in the J League. Um, do I wish it was better? Yes. Would I like to see Tokyo in a, a purpose-built stadium? Yes. But um, I, I don't know if that that's ever going to be a, uh, a legitimate uh, idea that actually takes <laughs> uh, takes hold and it actually ever comes to fruition. So, um, yeah. I mean, how do you feel about uh, you know going to the the ground these days and um, what uh, you know what what could be done to to add to it and what what could the club do to to increase the atmosphere i guess at the stadium well well tokyo tokyo are different than than most other other j clubs right like you know you, you get a lot of chanting before games from other supporters you know, Udawa, nagoya they're they're quite noisy before the games tokyo tokyo's never been noisy before the games it, it, it's always maybe about 5 minutes 10 minutes before and then the you'll never walk alone plays and that's really when things start to pick up but but prior to that no it's 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 always a very quiet feeling before the game you know the, the, i i think most of the most of the ultras prefer to to save it for the game in, instead of instead of the pre-games i, I can think of a couple of exceptions when it, going back to 2019 during our title push year um where ishikawa came back and, uh, to the to the home end and started getting the the supporters, you know, excited for the game. He's like, we got to get behind the team. We got to get these results. And the, the supporters really took to that. And we let the team know that we were there. We were here to, 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 to support the club, you know. And this was an hour, maybe more than before kickoff. There hasn't been a lot to cheer about as a Tokyo supporter since then. <laughs> you know, we've had, we've had the uh, Levain triumph. Um, but then other than that, it's, it's been, in, in my opinion, it's been a, a steady decline uh, in, in terms of performance. So I think Peter can really set the tone early in the season 
the supporters are going to be excited to go into it. And I think that'll reflect uh, in the stands at Ajinomoto. We've, we've never really had a problem filling the ground. You know, we, we regularly get 30K average in a 50,000-seater stadium. I agree with you, Ben. I'd love to see like a like a football-specific arena. I don't see that happening in the short-term future. I see us probably moving into the national stadium sooner than than anything else. But, you know, that's got a bigger track than what Ajinomoto's got. So I would say it's a bit of a downgrade in that respect. But, yeah, in, in, in terms of the atmosphere of Ajinomoto, I, I think uh, it, it's it's lively when, when the game is just about to kick off and, and most of us are, are usually uh, outside uh, chatting with other supporters or drinking a couple of beers that's just that's just the life of a tokyo supporter we we love to drink and we love to to, to chat with other groups <laughs> indeed most of the time yeah drowning our sorrows but uh yeah we'll see how <laughs> exactly. uh, things go things go this year all right johnny i'll throw to you first the prospects for 2024 what are you expecting for tokyo uh this year um yeah i guess what's the, what's the best case scenario under uh, under Klimovsky with these new signings that we've uh, we've all talked about. Uh, where do you see them uh, slotting into the table? Um, h- higher than last season. Well, I'm going to be positive. I, I think they'll be, they'll be in the top half, de- definitely. I would say maybe sixth. Uh, an absolute push, fifth would be the, the ceiling, I think, for this team. But likely somewhere in the kind of yes, seventh, eighth, ninth. Um, if if Araki, if he really clicks, Endo gets back to to, to his old ways and Ogashi was a, a good signing then yeah fifth or sixth but likely the the bottom half of the of the top half I think is is like is what's most likely going to happen and I don't really see much chance at the moment of them finishing any lower than than they did last season so re- reasonably bright but maybe kind of in that that kind of aching way of uh, this is okay but we could really and um, really should be doing a, a bit more but but I think I think we'll be back in the top half next season well what about you Tom I I would not disagree with you. Um, you know, I, the, my biggest disappointment going into this season is that it's an Olympic year and we're not in the ACL. That's That's been a Tokyo tradition for as long as I can remember, is that every four years we qualify for the Champions League. So not having that, uh, it breaks my heart. Uh, but I, I, I think this year, yeah, top five would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think top seven would be more realistic. And anything less than that would be uh, considered a failure of the season. Um, in the cup competitions, I would love to see a push towards either the Levain or the Emperor's Cup, preferably the Emperor's Cup, because that would mean uh, continental qualification. And with the new money that's being brought in to the Champions League from next season, um, that would be a huge cash boost. Uh, to the club. So I, I would love to see that, but will it happen? It really depends on how, on, on our players staying healthy, as you mentioned, like with Araki, if he, if he clicks, if Endo clicks, uh, if Diego's popping in 20 goals, you know, who knows, but yeah, I, I think top seven is realistic. Yeah, I'll go along with that as well. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, a, a, a little uh, move up, back up the table is, is more likely than not. And um, yeah, for me, the goal has to be a return to the top six. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, as we said, the, the jury is still out on on Klimovsky. Hopefully, uh, yes, he can get his new signings uh, raring to go from the opener uh, away at Cerezo Osaka on Saturday. And then um, yes, hopefully 
higher up the table on a much more consistent basis than uh, than last season. All right, Tom. Well, before we let you go, we'll uh, throw in Daniel Hawkins's question. He's uh, he's decided to poke the bear, and um, yeah, I, I guess I can't really blame him. Daniel asks, uh, Tokyo haven't beaten Avispa Fukuoka in the league since uh, August 2006. What can the gas men do to finally win a J-Talk derby? I mean, to say that they haven't done it in 2006 would mean that Fukuoka were a stable J1 team. I don't recall them being in J1 for a lot there. So it's an interesting point to say back from 2006. It's It's a bit like saying, you know, Manchester United... Uh, last beat, I don't know, uh, Norwich or, or 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 some other team. Wigan, there you go, Wigan. <laughs> Where are they now? I don't know. But yeah, uh, what can we do? Not playing Kyushu, that would be preferable start. <laughs> I, don't, I do not like our team going to Kyushu. It's always bad. It never ends well. Uh, yeah, what can we do? I know. Let's let 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 let's go with. Hopefully the refs won't botch another call with, with VAR shambles uh, of a decision make that that ruins our our winning uh, stance. So let's let's go with that. Yeah, Luke Young has moved on, so even more of a chance this season. He, he hasn't got his goals to score against. Maybe you'll struggle more against Shonan this year. Indeed, yes, Luke Young, yeah. yes, yeah, one of the the more pleasing signings I think for all Tokyo supporters uh, this season. That yeah, he's left to Fukuoka and uh, and joined Shonan. All right then, Tom. Well, yeah, we really appreciate you jumping on and uh, and chatting FC Tokyo with us uh, on this uh, preview episode. Uh, just before we let you go, then uh, give a, a plug to the Kai guys uh, socials and um, yeah, uh, what you've got going on. Well, we do have uh, an exciting thing that's coming up in the next couple of months. Uh, myself, uh, Lewis, as well as another one. Uh, we're still trying to get a Machida supporter in, but but we're we're starting up a, a supporters cup uh, for between the Tokyo teams, just the Tokyo teams, the three of us. It's a it's a home and away uh, competition, really, that takes the league fixtures. So, you know, team at the end of the season wins the the coveted supporters cup, and uh, hopefully that's Tokyo this season. Mm. All right, interesting stuff. There we go then. All right, you heard it first here on the on the J Talk podcast. All right, terrific. Thanks uh, uh, again, Tom. And uh, yeah, the, obviously, uh, listeners, if they're not already, you can follow Tom and Alex's uh, escapades following FC Tokyo at uh, FC Tokyo Kai Guys. Tom, thanks for joining us, and we uh, yeah we hope to catch up with you uh, throughout the season. Hopefully, a much better one for Tokyo in 2024. Indeed, pleasure of joining you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, thanks again to Tom. And our 20th and final team that we will preview ahead of the new J1 season is at Nagoya Grampus. So maybe, Johnny, we should have christened this episode the uh, the bad logo redesigned derby. I, I don't know, <laughs> FC Tokyo and, and Nagoya. Um, for me personally, anyway, two, uh, two logo redesigns that were uh, unnecessary and um, continue to leave me scratching my head. I know the, the new Grampus one does have some fans, but uh, for me, yeah, I'm not really... Uh, convinced by it yet perhaps it will grow on me uh yeah this is another old man uh, shaking his fist at a cloud moment i suppose all right so uh, grampus will uh, begin as we have done with each and every club to this point by uh, briefly reviewing their 2023 season and well ultimately it was a move of two places up the table from where they finished in 2022 they ended up sixth uh, but at the end of the day, this was a, um, a massive opportunity missed, I think, 
for Grampus, despite yeah moving up a couple of spots in the table. They were second at the halfway point, and they were third, only two points off top after match day 23. So with the 11 rounds still to play, they were very much within touching distance of top spot, but then went six without a win and indeed only won once of those final 11 games to uh, to slip all the way down to sixth. Um, their 41 goals for was the lowest of any of the teams that finished in the top six, uh, but their 36 goals against was the sixth best in the league. Uh, in terms of their goal scorers, Kasper Juncker, uh, in a similar vein to Diego Oliveira with FC Tokyo, uh, ploughed a lone furrow. His uh, 16 was uh, one more than uh, Diego got for Tokyo, and it, exactly the same as Tokyo as well. Nobody else other than their main striker got more than four goals in the 2023 season. So we're in total agreement, Johnny, that 2023 was a, a massive underperformance for FC Tokyo. For Nagoya, it was uh, very much uh, in contrast for large parts of the season. But yeah, when the, when you, you look up and they've only won once in the last 11 games, um, a sixth place finish just uh, simply wasn't good enough, was it? Yeah, yeah, it must be immensely frustrating for, for Nagoya supporters. You, you look at the team they had last season, they've got one of the best goalkeepers in the, the league, they've got one of the best back lines in the league, in Shoei Nagaki, they've got one of the best central midfielders, they've got one of the best strikers in Kasper Junker, and they've got, got a supporting cast that, that's there to, to, to help that, that very strong spine. And that, that league fell away so so dramatically and so, so desperately at the end. Yeah, really, really must have the supporters scratching their heads. Um, you know, we're obviously here to try and make the, the J League look good, but I was kind of thinking a bit about like what, what Lewis said yesterday about about the J2 maybe not being the strongest last season. The fact that teams like Kashima and Nagoya just just limped for an entire third or, or even half a season to to fifth and sixth kind of doesn't say much for the, the depth that was a, a, on show in the, in the league last year. It, it mm. felt like they did finish sixth, but at times of that that horrible run that that the back the back end of the season they looked more like a mid-table or lower mid-table side which really really was disappointing given the quality of players they had to only pick up seven points from the last 11 games it even yeah is the fourth top half finish in a row but it probably felt like a bottom half finish to the fans and I mean the only positive stat I could really come up with was that in 2023 they were first for sprints which as a, a stat, they were 13th in before Kenta Hasegawa took over, which which sounds great, but you know football is about hard work. But when you have the players that Nagoya have, you, you wonder if they should maybe be kind of changing, tweaking the style a little bit, using a bit more bit more flair and getting a few more players around Kasper Junker. But that just didn't seem to happen an awful lot. But yeah, it, it is what it is. It, it looks good on paper, but I think when you you look below the surface, you, there's quite a few problems we, we could quite easily pick pick out in the Nagoya performance. Uh, last season and potentially also going forward. Yeah, most definitely. Of course, they uh, they had to make do without uh, Mateus in uh, the, the second half of the season. And, uh, yeah, with him, uh, a lot of the uh, cre- creativity uh, in the squad uh, yeah, basically walked out the door. And, uh, yeah, they definitely had a hard time replacing him, uh, even though they did bring in Tsukasa Morishima to try and go some way uh, towards uh, filling his void. But, uh, yeah, they did prove to be uh, massive shoes to fill. And Casper uh, Junker's a provider in charge. Chief 
was uh, yet yeah, obviously no longer part of the picture. So, um, well, what have they done in the off season to try and um, grasp back some momentum that they lost so terribly in the second half of last year? Well, uh, they've had a bit of a clean out, especially at the back, Johnny. Um, we uh, we know about their reputation as a, uh, a stingy defence over the the past few years, anchored by Mitch Langerak, who you mentioned, one of the uh, without question one of the best goalkeepers in the division and um yeah one of the best in i think recent memory uh, in in the j league but um yeah he, he'll have a very strange feeling i think at the the beginning of the season and in uh, match day one when uh, none of haruya fuji shinosuke nakatani or yuichi maroyama are there in front of him uh, we already knew of course that fuji was uh, heading over to court in belgium uh, nakatani has uh, joined gumba uh, that we spoke about on our first preview episode i think a move that you're very uh, pleased with and um, yeah we spoke with neil last week about uh, yuichi maroyama uh, heading up uh, well back up to kanto and uh, and joining kawasaki frontale and indeed he featured in their super cup victory over kobe on saturday so um yeah they are i guess the three headline departures um three mainstays of the the, the nagoya defense in recent seasons while uh, naoki maida has uh, left to join his uh, hometown club uh, urawa so yeah he'll uh, leave a, a void in attacking areas as well but uh, yeah the headlines uh, definitely are taken by those three defenders who have left yeah, absolutely. It's about mass departures at, at the back. I think, um, I mean, Mariama, everyone will have fond memories of, but I think during Hasegawa's couple of years, either through injuries or just general ageing, he's sort of been phased out a bit. So if it had been just him to leave, I don't think too too many, you know, too many heads would have been turned. But the fact that Nakatani, who, who joined uh, uh, Nagoya in the, the summer of 2018, like, like uh, Mariyama, has also gone after five and a half years. It's been such a mainstay of the, the squad, and he, he's gone saying he's, he's looking for, for a new challenge. That, that's a bit worrying if you're, if you're a Nagoya fan. And yeah, for Fuji, we, we fully expected to, to go. He, he's gone to court, right? The, the fact that him and also a player not been mentioned yet, Ryuya Morishita, another international, went to, to Legia Warsaw. Uh, and Ryuga Kida as a youngster has gone to Maradona's old team, Argentinos Juniors. That, that's three players that have left on loan, two, two of whom are internationals, considering they've already got Yuki Soma out on loan. And kind of harking back to the first part of the year when we had Dan Orlowitz on, talking about kind of clubs needing to, to stop, but kind of borrowing off their, their parent company, like Nagoya with, with Toyota was one of the, the ones in the, the firing line. Um, you, you kind of wonder what some of the, the business practices are, like uh, how, how astute are they behind the scenes with all these loan deals? But I mean, but back to the football, yeah, losing yeah, Mariyama, Nakatani and Fuji from, from central defence, Morishita from, from wing-back, huge, huge losses for, for Nagoya to, to overcome. And then Maeda, I know he went to he went to Holland and he got, got a bad injury near the start, didn't he? And then he hadn't played much when he came back to, to Japan and never really looked like his old self so yeah maybe the change of scenery will do him good i think in name value it sounds like a loss but i think in reality it's, it's not really so i think from from you know the central midfield and the attacking areas obviously no no major players have left from from last season's squad but yeah defensively and that without wing back position with marista but big 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 gaps to fill Yes, most definitely. And uh, we'll, we'll come back to that and what it might mean for uh, their uh, 
yeah, I guess the, their manager, Kenta Hasegawa, and his uh, philosophy uh, going forward uh, with a, a question from Sam once we uh, once we get on to talking uh, about the coach uh, shortly. But, uh, yeah, so what have they done uh, in terms of uh, transfers coming in? Well, uh, I think it bears saying that, uh, yeah, Kasper Junker's deal, uh, which was, of course, a loan from Urawa last season, has been turned into a uh, permanent deal, and we spoke about that with Ralph during the Urawa preview, and uh, yeah, so we no, no longer need to mention uh, Juncker in connection with Urawa. He is now a, a Nagoya player, and um, yeah, though I think everybody's very happy with the way things have uh, turned out, but um, yeah, maybe, uh, well, I think you're right, Johnny, to say that Maida's loss won't be all that uh, keenly felt as, uh, yeah, he wasn't able to make too much of an impact uh, once they're returning to the club. But, um, yeah, Juncker might be getting some much-needed help up front in the form of uh, Yuya Yamagishi, who was uh, uh, Fukuoka's top scorer in 2023, and he arrives at the Toyota Stadium. And uh, Craig, one of our patrons, wonders if uh, Yamagishi can fill the Mateus-sized hole uh, in Nagoya, uh, along with the uh, the possible return of uh, Yuki Soma in the summer. Um, he wonders, is, the, is that enough to uh, replace the talismanic uh, Brazilian, or should he set his expectations on a similarly disappointing season uh, this time round? I mean, Yamagishi's a, a really interesting addition, uh, probably... Uh, the, the perfect time for him to move and get uh, a move to an inverted commas uh, big club uh, like uh, like Grampus. And, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he can fit in alongside Juncker and, um, yeah, whether he can make this uh, this transfer pay off for him and for his new club. Yeah, as long as they keep him away from the penalties, he should be fine. But um, I'm interested to see like, how they actually fit him in. Because like, in, in Fukuoka, obviously, they're going to... To one, one main central striker and then two, two players playing off the main striker. So f- fundamentally, Yamagishi could play, I think, on, on the left side of that back behind Juncker, or they could kind of rejig to, to make it a kind of three-man midfield with, with Morishima maybe in there with, with Inagaki and either Shihashi or Yonemoto, and then Yamagishi up top with Juncker. It's, it's very tough to directly compare Yamagishi to Matthias because they, they may inhabit similar parts of the field, but they are very, very different different players. I think Yamagishi is sure. a, a striker who kind of drops back a bit, whereas Matthias is more of a converted winger. Um, very interesting to see because I think Fukuoka are a very, very structured team defensively and, and in attack, whereas Nagoya tend to be very structured defensively, but the attack is more... As we talked about, I think last season with, with Sam, Matthias really thrived in that attack because he had kind of license to do what he wanted once he got the ball. And I think Junker's a bit like that, but other players like Morishima did, didn't really work for him last season. So Yamagishi, you know, he he's had years of of toil in, in, in J2 where where he looked very good, but he didn't score many goals. And his two big goal scoring seasons have come under Shigitoshi Hasebe at, at Fukuoka, so in in that system. So you know. In a way, he does have to prove himself outside of Fukuoka, which I'm sure is what he's he's taking his challenge on for. I think it will be a good signing, but it's not. It shouldn't be seen as a direct replacement for Matthias. I think if Morishima is not a direct replacement for Matthias, but he's closer to that. I think than than Yamagishi. And I think the key thing is with, with that signing of, of Yamagishi, it should hopefully take some of the goal burden off Junker, as as well the. The, the signing of, of Patrick, a, a Hasegawa favourite from from a decade ago at, at Gamba. Um, mm. There are players who, who can score goals that aren't called Kasper Junker, so that, that that should definitely help with the the 38 game season. And just a quick point about Yuki Soma, kind of harking back to my point about 
if you include so Soma, Fuji, and Morishita are all um, that they're all international players out on loan. Although Soma's loan deal does finish at the end of the European season, I would be very, very surprised if he if he came back to to Nagoya. Um, he seems to be playing quite regularly in Portugal. So if his current club don't pony up the cash, I'm pretty sure another European team would. So I wouldn't be banking on Soma coming back mid-season or or, or Morishita or, or, or Fuji or, or anyone else. But yeah, I think Yamagishi is a, is a good signing. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he, how he fits in. Um, but yeah, direct comparison to Matias, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure how they really really compare side by side. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, but I can see where Craig's coming from. Mm. I mean, yeah, the the massive shoes to fill, and yeah, uh, you sign a new attacker, you hope I, I guess that um, this player, whoever he is, can go uh, some way towards replacing Mateus's output. Uh, I mean, yeah, you you don't get too many uh, players passing through your club like Mateus, uh, do you? So yeah, I'm sure Yamagishi would hate the comparison himself, but uh, yeah, he wouldn't mind um, you know a, a similar kind of expectation placed on him in terms of his uh, goal output as to. What he got uh, last season, perhaps, but um, yeah, to ask him to do the Mateus role, I think, is um, yeah, a pretty tall order for uh, for pretty much anybody. Uh, a, a very special player, uh, Mateus, and in his time at uh, Grampus, no question. So, uh, Johnny, yeah, you've mentioned that Patrick's come in as well from Kyoto. He also got ten goals, of course, uh, last year. And in passing, you mentioned a central midfielder, Kiyoshi Hashi, has arrived from Kashiwa. An interesting move for him and uh, and for Grampus. We'd expect him to partner Inagaki uh, in the centre of the park, I think. While in defence, um, they've brought in uh, Ha-Chung Ray from Polhang and uh, Shion Inoue from Kofu is a very interesting signing. And uh, yeah, those two are likely to take up uh, places in the uh, the back three uh, alongside uh, Yuki Nogami. While uh, Ryosuke Yamanaka has come over from uh, Cerezo Osaka and uh, yeah, likely to fill the the left back role vacated by Morishita. So um, we worry how they might get on without Fuji and Nakatani especially and uh, latterly Maruyama. But yeah, they have made some interesting looking defensive signings, Johnny. Yeah, I think uh, Ha-Chang Ray, um, I, I can't say I watch a, a ton of K-League, but he, he does have a, a very good pedigree. I think uh, over 130 appearances for, for Bohang, who were, who were second in, in K- K-1 last season, and he captained them in one of their, their two victories over Urawa last season, the, the, the Asian Champions League, where they looked like a, a very decent side. So I think he, he will come in, and I think um, you know, he should be quite a strong presence uh, hopefully, as long as communications are right in, in the dressing room and, and on the field, I think he's a very experienced player who will be wanting to, to test himself in in J1. So I think that's a good signing. Um, Inoue, it probably bears pointing out, he's not the same Inoue as that played for um, Yokohama FC and still plays for Yokohama FC. Shion Inoue is a, a diminutive midfielder. This is a, a very strongly built young centre-back who I believe was a Nagoya Grampus uh, youth player before going to university and had a had a fine debut season as a pro with, with Van Vanvery Kofu and J2 and played a bit of ACL. Um, they, they do have options at the back because, I mean, as, as we both know, Kenta Hasegawa is not really a back three kind of coach. Um, so, But I think a bit like Machida, the, the lack of left back options suggested maybe a back three. The, the lack of real right back options mean he's probably going to have to go with that. Um, but he does have but Kawazura can play at the left centre back role and, and Ha Chang Ray can be be in the centre uh, as well as as an option if they, they don't start with a new way right away. But I, I think yeah they've got Rotten Kennedy Egbis Mikuni from from uh, Fukuoka as a, as a backup. So there's you know there's five or six players at the back there. 
it's not quite the depth they had before, but as long as as Ha and Inoue settle in well, Nogami's been around for for years at strong defenses like Hiroshima and, and Nagoya. So I think it is a you know it's still a pretty decent but by J League standards uh, backline. Yamanaka seems to have done the the, the you know done, done the laps of all, all the big clubs. We've been Kashiwa, we've been Marinos, Urawa, Serizo. Now he's at Nagoya. You know, he he's been there, done that at all the big clubs. Um, so it's not the most exciting signing, but I think it's uh, you know it can be quite effective. And then again, you've got um, uh, Uchida from from FC Tokyo. He made his his loan deal. I think two two year loan deal. He made into a permanent one. So throw him in with Inagaki and Shihashi and Yonimoto. You get plenty of depth in there. And a young Kubo who came in from Fujieda got started to become a, a regular at the back end of last season. They brought in Nakayama from from uh, Shimizu. Um, uh, Ono's come in from from Yamagata. Again, none of these are particularly like grabbing you by you know grabbing you by the throat. But I think it adds depth to that very strong spine. I think if if, if Ha is a is a leader that he seems to be, you've got Langarak, you've got Ha Chan Rei, you've got Inagaki, you've got like Yamagishi and Morishima, then Yunka. That is a very very strong spine to the team. So it doesn't have to be stars all around it. Uh, there are plenty of kind of younger players coming through, and I think a bit, a bit like Vissel last year, and maybe Serizo a couple of years ago. There's been kind of a lot of scorn or, or pessimism thrown on on Nagoya, and, and some of it rightly so, especially for some of those the departures. But then when you kind of boil it down to like who the starting eleven would be. In J1 terms, it's still it's pretty strong, considering that Nakatani, Mariyama, and Fuji, and uh, Morishita have all gone. So, mm. yeah, a lot, lot of movement. But, yeah, a bit like Machida last night is, have they actually got any better? Have they got any worse? I think it's going to take a bit of time to, to figure that out. Yeah, agreed. And uh, I'll tell you what, when we talk about replacing uh, Mateus, if you want to talk about players with a wand of a left foot, then, uh, yeah, Yamanaka can uh, can step right up there because he can take a, a, a left-footed set piece with the best of them. And, yeah, I'm sure Juncker will appreciate his uh, deliveries from uh, from deep on the uh, the left flank. And they might be, uh, yeah, developing a, a bit of a hotline in uh, in preseason. Yeah, a, a number of interesting signings uh, that uh, Kenta Hasegawa has brought in. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how they uh, how they gel and how they develop throughout the year but yeah you're right Johnny there is obviously loads of talent throughout this uh, squad and and yeah their first 11 um even though it uh, the the back uh, the back line takes a bit of getting used to uh, yeah i'm sure they'll equip themselves uh, very well especially with uh, langarak behind them all right so yeah it's uh, kenta hasegawa's third season in charge of uh, of grampus after succeeding uh, massimo ficadenti who uh, took them to their uh, their last trophy of course the in the uh, the lavain cup so uh, sam robson knows that we both know kenta hasegawa well of course hasegawa has previously managed uh, gumba and uh, if see Tokyo. Uh, Sam wonders uh, that uh, do you think the lack of uh, reliable backline after uh, Fuji, Nakatani and Maruyama's departures will lead to a more attack focused approach? Well I think yeah, we we might have talked ourselves into uh, the, the 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 defensive signings maybe working out for them fairly well, uh, Sam. So um, I, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, a leopard won't change his spots. So I, I don't think Hasegawa will um, yeah rip up his playbook and and suddenly start just uh, letting the players go out and and properly express themselves. There will always be a level of uh, pragmatism and control when he's in charge, but. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question, Johnny, uh, whether uh, Hasegawa might slightly uh, ease the reins 
on his on his players this year and and let them have their head a little bit more than than maybe in in seasons past and i guess we yeah with some of the players coming in that he might feel uh, that uh, a slightly more expressive style is uh, is the way to go this year i kind of feel like playing a back three is hasegawa's idea of of uh, changing his spots um it, mm. it's still it's still very much that system of you know you get you get two two lines of defense they're very tight together. They're very well marshaled. And I think, as we pointed out last season, a lot of the time, the, the attack that I'm sure there was some sort of tactic or some strategy, but it didn't really look like it at times. It looked like get the ball up to the quick players and then then those guys can do do what they want. So, I, I mean, like I said, I think Ha Chang Rei should be a very solid signing at the back. Inoue, it might be a bit bumpy at the start, but if he can kind of get up to, to J1 level quickly and along with, with Nogami and, and Ha-Chang Rei, then you know, fundamentally the defence shouldn't get that, that much worse. Even with those players there, under under Hasegawa, after the ultra, like, kind of Catanaccio style of Ficadente, their kind of defensive stats have been slipping a bit, and actually their attacking stats have been going in the right way, with, with Junker definitely helping that. Um, you know, I mean, I, I would say Kenta Hasegawa divides opinion, but I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he really does. Um, I think mm. most people can kind of see, like, like you say, his teams tend to play kind of abrasive, uh, unattractive football, which is, I think, initially in the first couple of years is, is quite successful, but delivers kind of diminishing returns af- after that. As, you know, as Sam points out, both of us, he's, he's managed both of our clubs. And if we ignore his first season at, at Gamba for the purposes of making an argument and also the fact that he was he was in J2 with a, with a J1 squad, so it doesn't really count. I think he, he had four, four years in J1 with, with Gamba and he had almost four with, with FC Tokyo. And it, it did follow a kind of, a pattern of a good start and then, like I said, d- diminishing returns with kind of cracks starting to appear in the in the bodywork in in the third season before you know everything kind of completely fell apart rather rapidly in the the second half of the the fourth season. So Nagoya, if we're still talking about Kenta Hasegawa being the manager in a year's time, you have been warned about what what can go wrong. And yeah, I don't I don't think you're going to see a massive change in tactics. I think you're basically going to see largely the same style as last season, but with different players playing in defence, and maybe Morishima a bit more attuned to, to the role he's he's supposed to play, and, and almost an attempt to kind of mimic um, Matthias in, in certain ways. But, yeah, I would, as this is the final club we're, we're talking about, we've already picked out Danny Poyatos and, and Ranko Popovic, who's been a bit under pressure. Uh, I think uh, Kenta Hasegawa would, would, commit, uh, would sort of... Um, he would come into that 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 trio of uh, I think the three three coaches most under pressure, most likely to be the first managerial casualty of the season. But with that, like one win in eleven games to finish last season. If Nagoya don't get up and running early, I think Hasegawa is going to be under pressure pr- pretty pretty sharpish. I'm, I don't think that will happen, but yeah, I'd put Hasegawa, Popovic, and, and Poyatos as as the three most under pressure going into the start of the season. W- would you go along with that, Ben? I would. I agree. Yes. If if things go sour or will continue to to be sour for for Grampus at the start of, of this season, of course everybody starts on uh, Neil Poir uh, on uh, on Friday afternoon. But um, yes, if things don't go well uh, at the start of the the campaign, yes, there will definitely uh, be uh, be pressure on Hasegawa. I feel and um, yeah, whether he can ride out any uh, potential storm if that does eventuate, we'll. Uh, We'll see, but uh, yeah, you, you 
point is very well made on him uh, diminishing returns is a perfect way to to describe it as uh, um, again I've seen more recently than you in his his time at FC Tokyo and um, well as Thomas mentioned yes it was uh, definitely time to go after that very embarrassing loss to uh, to Yokohama F Marinos uh, a a few years ago so yeah we'll we'll wait and see what uh, Hasegawa does in terms of um, a slight shift in uh, in formation in philosophy uh, due to changes in the squad in this campaign but uh, as ever thanks for your question Sam and uh, it's time for our final one to watch for our final club in our previews so Johnny I will give you the honours um, I'm going to go for I'm going to go again very left field and it's a, a young playmaker from Kansai Gakuin University uh, Ken, Ken Masui um, he's a very tidy operator. I think he, he made his debut actually last season as one of those designated uh, special players. He he is a Nagoya Grampus uh, youth player who then went off to, to Kansai to, to go to, to university. And yeah, I think a, a very, very tricky player. He, he won't grab all the headlines. I think you'll, you'll get, you know, of course, Junko's going to grab them, Yamagishi and, and um, Morishima. But I think he's a very useful player to bring on the last kind of 20, 25 minutes can play kind of, kind of anywhere along that, that front line, maybe, maybe not quite a replacement for Juncker, but just in behind, can link midfield and, and attack. And just as, as this is the final team, I just wanted to say, you know, the, the patrons have obviously seen my, my kind of depth charts, and you'll probably notice quite a lot of the, the university graduates that they're not quite the first choice player, but they're, they're hovering around. And, you know, 2020 and 2021, there was a lot of a lot of university graduates went straight into to top teams. The last couple of years have been quite quite slim on the ground. I think we're going to see more of a return of, I think you'll see quite a lot of university players quite quickly become uh, pretty regular starters. Masui, maybe in the second half of the season, particularly if there's an injury to someone like Morishima, he, he might be someone who, who can come in and, again, what we're talking about replacing Matias, you're not going to replace Matias with just one player, but he could be part of the answer with, with, with Morishima and Yamagishi, all kind of containing a bit of the quality that made Matthias so great without actually ever being being him. So, yeah, um, Ken Masumi is my, my one to watch and, and, and also keep, keep an eye out for, for a number of uh, talented university graduates across all, all 20 teams this season. So um, back to you, Ben. Who, who's, your, who's your Nagoya Grampus one to watch? Well, yeah, you've just mentioned him, Morishima. I'm hoping for a uh, consistent uh, campaign for him in his uh, first full season back uh, at the club. Uh, of course, uh, joined from Hiroshima in the summer. And, well, yeah, I, I think expectations were a little bit over the top. Yes, Mateus leaves, Morishima comes in. You want him to, um, as we said, fill Mateus's boots. And that's just not uh, Morishima's bag, is it? I mean, he's an extremely talented player. But, yeah, to, to ask him to do an impression of Mateus uh, was, uh, was unrealistic. And, um, yeah, maybe at the end of the day, uh, some Nagoya, uh, Nagoya supporters felt a little bit um, yeah, frustrated and uh, yeah, disappointed by his output. But, um, yeah, I think he will have really benefited from, uh, from this, uh, this preseason and, yeah, starting up a, a new season with a, a, uh, yeah, a definite defined role and not, um, not burdened by unreal, unrealistic expectations of, um, yes, you have to be this player, you have to mimic this player. Um, he will be... Um, yeah, given uh, room to express himself and 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 play his natural game, and I think yeah, we'll uh, we'll really see him flourish uh, alongside Yamagishi and Yunka and yes, Masui if he gets a chance and. Um 
the other uh, the, the other it- attacking weapons that that Grampus has. But uh, yeah, for me, uh, hopefully we'll see Morishima back to uh, some of his best that he displayed at uh, Hiroshima before making this move. All right then. So uh, Nagoya's overall prospects. For 2024, Johnny, I think they're a real head scratcher because, as we said, for for most of last season or the first two thirds of last season, they were a legitimate top three team. Again, that might say more uh, about the overall quality of the league last year than it does about them specifically. But you you can't argue with where they were in the table uh, up to a certain point. But, yeah, you can be uh, very, very concerned by the way they capitulated at the end of the year. So uh, will the real Nagoya Grampus please stand up? Mm, yeah, a bit like Manchester last night. Where, where where to put them? I'm gonna say. I mean, they were eighth two years ago. They were sixth last year. So it's some somewhere in that that bracket. That the quality of players they have, they absolutely should be going for for top six. How that meshes with what the manager is trying to get them to do, I'm not sure. Top half, absolutely. Maybe yeah, a bit like FC Tokyo, fifth, fifth or sixth is is their ceiling at the minute. But yeah, m- m- middle of the top half, I, I I would say. What about you? Yes, yeah, sixth around sixth again. I think they've um, they've done decent business in the market, considering the yeah the defensive outs. Um, so whether Hasegawa is going to prove to be the right man for this job ultimately, and how long he will uh, be able to uh, see through this project, I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think there is enough quality. Obviously, in Juncker, we haven't spoken about him an awful amount, but yeah, his his quality is undoubted, and he will get you 15 goals. Uh, it's a matter of if uh, if Yamagishi can come in and hit the ground running, and um, yes, Morishima can uh, can approach double figures himself, while yeah, obviously getting a similar number of assists. Um, hopefully, yeah, providing Junker with a lot of his uh, his ammunition. So if it all goes perfectly, and I guess Kobe have a bit of a, a championship hangover, and F Marinos aren't as good uh, uh, in Harry Kuehl's first season, that, you know, they, they could be battling it out with the likes of uh, Urawa and Hiroshima for the title. But yeah, for, for now, for from where I sit, uh, yeah, I think sixth uh, is about their level. But yeah, they, they do have the potential, I think, to p- perhaps rise a couple of spots in the table and with that Johnny we have done it that is the 20 J1 clubs uh, all previewed ahead of the new campaign so before we wrap up this episode a couple of things we wanted to do uh, firstly you've mentioned throughout our previews uh, that you had uh, some players that you wanted to highlight as uh, league wide ones to watch uh, we've obviously each identified one player from each club but there are certain players that you um, you think uh, yeah worthy of uh, extra attention from our listeners in 2024 and I believe there's five in total so if you can uh, just please run us through those names again and who they play for yes yes certainly and, and just just a heads up I I didn't really do this in advance I just did it on a kind of week by week basis and it turned out we had, we had five players and actually four of them are wingers which maybe it's my my penchant the kind of player I, I look for but the first <laughs> one I mentioned was uh, was Yota Komi who I think we're, we're both in, in agreement um He's next next off the off the rank at Alberex Niigata after uh, after Mito and, and Homa have left. So look for him dashing down the, down the left wing or potentially just off the main striker. Also Kazuya Kono, former FC Tokyo uh, winger, now playing as a kind of just off the main striker for Avispa Fukuoka. Finished last season like a like a house on fire uh, domestically in in the league and in the Levan Cup. And they're really going to need his goals this season to, to try and stay in the top half of the league, Fukuoka. So watch out for him. 
And another team who need goals after one of the main strikers left is Shonan Belmare and Akito Suzuki is a, a young forward. Um, since I named him as one of my ones to watch, I was reading in the Mekan that he's actually, he's named himself as, as someone that, that needs to get the goals for Shonan. So he, he's putting a lot, of, a lot of pressure on himself to score goals, scored three last season. Hopefully if he gets more playing time, he'll get much closer to, to double figures, which would be absolutely amazing after, after Machino and Ohashi left uh, Shonan. And then uh, in the, the previous episode, there was Yosuke Furukawa of Jubilo, a Kaoru Mitoma-esque uh, d- dribbler, and also the very pacey uh, Yu Hirakawa of uh, Machida Zelvia, who I expect to, to be uh, a regular starter for them, either down the right, down the left, or as a, as a second striker. So he really seems to fit into his, his manager's style of play on the counter-attack with, with quick players, quick wide players, quick forwards. So, yeah, look out for uh, Yotakomi, Kazuya Kono, Akito Suzuki, Yosuke Furukawa, and Yu Hirakawa. All right, absolutely phenomenal stuff, Johnny. Uh, I'm sure the listeners uh, really appreciate that. And, um, well, yeah, I, I'm not actually sure if J-League Fantasy is returning for, for this season. I uh, tried to log on today, but it, last season's game is still there, so I'm not sure whether it's it's launching in the days before the uh, the new season begins or not. But if, if it's back, then, yeah, you might want to think about uh, taking a punt on uh, a, maybe a couple of, uh, of those five uh, ones to watch that Johnny has laid out there for us so uh yeah thanks again for that mate uh, always uh, appreciated uh, let's wrap things up then with our uh, our look at uh, j1 match day one the uh, the season gets going on friday the 23rd which is a, a national holiday in japan and uh, yes the new j1 season begins at Hiroshima's brand spanking new Peace Wing Stadium with uh, San Freche hosting Urawa at uh, two o'clock. And um, yeah, you could hardly have a, um, yeah, a more mouth-watering game to, to kick off the new season, Johnny. Two likely title contenders, a, a new stadium to, to properly christen. I know your Gumba have won the, the, the first match there, of course. But uh, yes, in terms of competitive matches, um, yeah, they don't get much bigger for, uh, for Hiroshima. Uh, I wonder if they cherry-pick Reds as their opponent if they uh, they requested them to the J League or whether they uh, the the magical fixture computer just happened to spit this fixture out. But uh, either way, it's a you're definitely a mouth watering way to kick off the new season. Yeah, I think we have to we have to take our hats off to the, the J League for the, the the kind of positive PR they've generated by you know kicking it off on a, on a national holiday Friday, a, a three day weekend. Uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, and you've got yeah the the, the first uh, competitive game uh, at Hiroshima's beautiful new stadium, and you've got you know you get third against fourth from last year. It could very well be first against second this year. It gets the you know not just the, the Hiroshima and Urawa fans who I'm sure will will fill the stadium and make a, a great atmosphere. It gets them interested, but also you know m- most teams in J1 and J2 don't have a game on the Friday, so. There'll be a big audience on on TV watching. It should be a high high quality game. Um, I'm sure we'll be overreacting next week to all, all the results. But I mean, realistically, you know, no one's no one's lost the title after after one game. I think because Reds lost their first two games last season and went on to have a very good um, good season. So I kind of feel like a, a loss would probably hurt Sam Fredche more than Urawa. But but being at home and also, I mean, humans. Draw, draw patterns so even though the Gamba game was meaningless if you've played two games at home in quick succession and lost them both then the talk of the curse might might arise but I think we, we know what we're going to get from from San Fredchi because Skiba has been there since his third year in charge it's just a case of does Ohashi start or, or more likely off the bench 
I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what the, the new coach, uh, Hugmo, according to Ralph's pronunciation, but what mm. he's got in store, that, that new kind of 4-3-3 system and how many of the new players um, play. So, yeah, it's been a fascinating what, what one to watch. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm not going to curse anyone. I'm not going to pick out a, a winner. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited for the, the, the kickoff on, on 2 o'clock on Friday. Yep, absolutely. Same here. And uh, two other original 10 clubs that wrap up the first uh, day of the uh, the new season with a 6pm uh, kickoff at their Toyota Stadium. It's a uh, Nagoya hosting Kashima. And uh, yeah, that promises to be uh, another really fascinating fixture as well as we as we mentioned. Um, yeah, two teams that finished in the top six last year, but uh, basically sleepwalked uh, to the finish line. So, um, yeah, really interesting the way they've done it, isn't it? The, uh, the, the as you said, third versus fourth in the the curtain raiser and then uh, sixth hosting fifth from last year uh, in the second game so um yeah again the, these uh, fixtures must be cherry picked uh, by the j league but again they the, the the both games on the friday definitely have uh, levels of intrigue no question about that and then we get on to saturday johnny and it's uh, yeah promoted iwata hosting the champions kobe so um yeah as i said uh, last night when we talked about jubilo it doesn't get much tougher does it than uh, yeah, hosting the defending champions on your return to the league. Yeah, absolutely. There's be yeah, I think for for them, and we'll come on to Verdi in a minute. There's be absolutely no doubt they're they're back in in J1 with with that quality of opposition. So I mean, I guess it, in a sense, it, it almost gives you a bit of a free hit. Your your first game, you're against the champions. Probably even the most ardent of Jubilo fans don't really expect to win. So you get a draw out of that, then you, you're you're laughing. It's it's a point you didn't otherwise expect to get, but. Yeah, I'm expecting a full house. I'm sure the 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 VCL fans will, will travel in numbers, and the, the the Jubilo fans they'll be there to see a number of new players like like we ironed out in in last um, last night's episodes. A very very tough game for Jubilo, and and yeah, I think as I mentioned a few weeks ago when I was talking about, about Gamba. Realistically, I think you do not want to play a newly promoted sides, especially away from home on on the opening day. So after a, a poor result against a kind of second string Kawasaki in the Super Cup last week. There'll be a lot of pressure on VCL to to not only win but but win well. So yeah, that, that that's a a really good fixture to, to tune in. If you're I mean if you're watching from from Europe, maybe it's going to be quite early for you, but I'm sure in Japan that will get quite a lot of viewers. Indeed, and then at two o'clock we have two further games on the Saturday. Fukuoka host Sapporo and Tosu entertain Niigata. Uh, Sagan will be hoping that they don't lose a 5-1 at home on the opening day of the season again. Uh, but, uh, yeah, maybe uh, Yotokomi will uh, yeah, really announce himself uh, on the J1 stage for uh, Albert X in that one. Then at 3 o'clock, uh, both of our teams are involved, aren't they, Johnny? Uh, Gamba uh, head up to the Gion Stadium, if they can find their way there, <laughs> to uh, to take on Machida. There's a Kanagawa derby with the Shonan host in Kawasaki and uh, yes uh, my FC Tokyo side are uh, away in Osaka facing uh, Cerezo so how are you feeling about uh, about Gamba and their prospects for the opener yes away at uh, the promoted champions of J2 you can, can copy and paste my statement from the VCL game about playing United <laughs> sides away from home but, but the yeah. Gamba fans are definitely up for it I think the, the away ticket allocation sold out in, in 20 minutes 
Um, and then there, there's a slight slight bit of an online co- controversy today as they had the um, you know the, the big kickoff conference and each club sends sends a player. Well, mm. Matita sent Kose Tani on, on loan from Gamba and he was pictured with the uh, Usami. I'm sure Usami was very happy to see him and the Gamba officials were. But I think there's a few people getting slightly over the top uh, angry about it online at what I'm actually trying to do. But um, that, that aside, yeah. Like we we set out in their Machida preview, we're not really sure what to expect from Machida. I kind of expect it's it's the first ever J1 game they've ever played, so there's going to be there's going to be nerves, even though there are some experienced players like again Shoji in the side. It's going to be a big occasion. Um, Gambar taking a lot of supporters. Uh, hopefully Machida that the town kind of gets behind them and we have a a big big game feel. Even if you know get Gambar not as strong as a opponent on on the field as say like VCLR for for Jubilo, but I think Manchester are very very quickly going to see what what a J1 level support is like. Um, there's going to be Gambar going to be their big big crowd, not noisy crowd, and they're going to get right behind the, the, their team. And j- just one thing to mention, sl- slightly on topic, slightly off topic, because um the, the only transfer that's happened at a club since we did their preview has actually happened at, at Gamba who. We've signed the Brazilian left winger uh, Welton Felipe from from Levski Sofia for a fee that might actually be as high as um as like two point five or three million euros. He's still mm-hmm. awaiting his visa, so he's he's not in the country yet. He hasn't linked up with Gamba, so he he won't be playing. But but he's certainly someone we'll be mentioning in the future. So I just thought I'd, I'd bring that up. Um, very very tough game for for Gamba. I'd probably take a draw. Machida, yeah, I hope a lot of people get along there, support the team. They, they, they really, really deserve it. They really need it. And I, I hope it's a fantastic occasion and some lovely weather for the, for the fans in the stadium. How about like, your, your, your Tokyo are coming to, to my Osaka to, to face off against the, the pink half of Osaka? Seems like quite quite a tough game, I think, for, for the first up of the season. Would, would you take a draw or how are you feeling about, about that? Yeah, I think I'd take a draw right now if, um, if it was offered. Yeah, but... Um... Uh, again, I think preseason has uh, preseason results have been okay from what I've seen. So yeah, I think we're heading there with um, yeah a, a fair degree of optimism. And you know we've we've spoken at length with uh, with Thomas earlier on in this episode about the the, the new attacking signing. So yeah, hopefully uh, we'll see some uh, some early uh, positive signs from some of them uh, slash all of them and um, maybe that will contribute to to a positive result but yeah I mean Cerezo uh, yeah, obviously finished the season quite poorly themselves last year but they did finish above us so yeah to go there on, on the, the first day of a new season yes you'd take a point but um, yeah hopefully things um, break for us and if we can return home with uh, with all three uh, that would be great as I think we have uh, Hiroshima and then Kobe uh, coming up mm-hmm. in, in some order I think it's in that order in the the next two rounds, both of those games uh, at home. So, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, three very interesting games on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Of course, the the Kanagawa Derby, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Belmare hosting Frontali. But then uh, on Sunday, the match day wraps up with the two games at uh, 2 o'clock. Um, unfortunately, uh, Kashiwa versus Kyoto, I think, will be um, yeah relegated to the the side TV or maybe the small uh, DAZN screen. Johnny, you might have that one on on your tablet. You'll definitely have Tokyo Verde versus Yokohama F Marinos, I think, on the big TV. As uh, we said last night with Lewis, the J League throws it back to the the first ever fixture uh, in the league back in 1993, and um, absolutely tremendous uh, for uh, for Verde to. Be 
be to be back in the big time. And um, yeah, obviously, if Marino's with a, a lot to prove this year under new manager Harry Kuehl. So yeah, this this fixture, I think it has uh, something for everyone. Yeah, absolutely fantastic way to, to round out. Hopefully, a fantastic first uh, first match day of the, of the season. You know, we said to, to Lewis last night about the, the kind of Verdi attendances and ho- hopefully a lot of those kind of lapsed fans or a lot of those fans that were at the National Stadium for the, the Shimizu game, that they're all there. But Marinos, it's, it's easy for their supporters to, to get there. They'll be there in big numbers. If you get a big a big crowd, like a, a 25,000 to, to welcome Verdi back to, to J1, that would be amazing. Be a great, great atmosphere inside inside the stadium. And and just like Jubilo that, that, and Machida, that they're at home. But just like Jubilo, yeah, Verdi are going to get a very, very, very rude and sharp awakening to, to the quality of, of the top, the, the upper echelons of, of J1. Um, so but very interesting to see uh, if, if Marinos come at them right, right from the word go, how do they how do they handle that? What, what sort of, uh, can I, what, what can they do under pressure from, from a really strong attacking unit? Uh, I, I know Marinos have, a, uh, have an ACL game against uh, Shandong, the second leg of their, their ACL um, tie this midweek. So they might rest a few. I don't think they will. I think it'll basically be a, a strongest Marinos lineup. We are Anderson Lopez, Elber, and Matias in attack. So very interesting to see how those two sides lock horns. And yeah, a bit like Jubilo, I think Verdi could, can afford to, to lose this one as long as it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't get too heavy. I think it's a, as a matter of the players finding their feet at this level. And if they can find at certain points that they can compete with the, the Marinos players, even if over the whole 90 they, they do lose out, I think the, the experience is going to be so, so vital for them uh, going forward. And yeah, as for watching two, two TVs at the same time, Kashiwa's yellow kit always catches my eye. So yeah, I, if, if I watch it at the same time, I might find myself dragged off watching watching their game, but I might have to catch someone after the fact. But yeah, f- fantastic, um, fantastic opening weekend. Uh, I know Verdi are a rival of yours, but will you be will you be tuning into that that Ben if you get the chance? I will certainly do my best. Yes, a lot will uh, depend on what my kids are up to and what they want me to do. But uh, yes, if I can uh, divert their attention for a couple of hours, yeah, I'll uh, I'll definitely try and uh, and check that out. It uh, yeah, it promises to be uh, an absolutely uh, fantastic occasion. All right then, so uh, that's it then. That match day one, yeah, up and down the schedule. It looks uh, it looks absolutely fascinating. So uh, listeners, you've got until the two o'clock on Friday to get your JPRED in for the the new season or at least the the J1 version uh, use the hashtag jpred24 on uh, twitter slash x uh, with your j1 top four and bottom three and if you uh, choose to partake you can also uh, do the same for both a j2 and uh, and j3 uh richie palmer has uh, set it up and has uh, obviously got the hashtag up and running again but uh, yeah he won't be keeping track of it uh, in as much detail as he has in the past but um yes for bragging rights get your jpreds in before uh, J1 kicks off on Friday. And uh, with that in mind, we might have something special for our uh, patrons on the way uh, before or the day of uh, the big kickoff. Uh, But uh, yes, we're still in negotiations uh, at the moment, so won't commit to anything at this stage. But uh, Johnny, what can I say, mate? It's been uh, an absolute journey. 
Um, yeah, we I don't think we're ready for these previews to start, but uh, we've uh, we've definitely worked our way into into mid-season form. And um, yes, these last two uh, are going to be roughly two hours each. So, yeah, we found an awful lot to talk about and it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I know how much work you put in to each and every preview and obviously your depth charts are hugely appreciated as well by our patrons. So. Um, yeah, I think we probably both need a holiday after these <laughs> last four weeks. But yeah, the just the the, the big stuff is actually about to start. Yeah, it feels a bit like we've done our, our pre season training camp. We've, we've been doing two, two or three podcasts a, a week, so we're, we're fully fit and raring to go. Um, yeah, it, it felt quite good there, look, running down the, the fixtures. It's been a been a while since we've done that. Looked down a, a full J one card, and, and especially a card where, where all the games mean something, whereas you know, the end of last season with only one team going down, there's a lot of teams not really playing playing for much, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to getting into it, and yeah, it's, it's, it's always really, really fun previewing previewing all the all the team seasons, you know, get Gamba can't lose, so I can't be in a bad mood about, about anything, so, um, but yeah, again, th- thanks to you and also all, all the guests, we've had so many guests on for, from different clubs, it's always great to hear Kind of their experiences and their, their expectations, and also all, all the questions we got. We got questions from a, a load of different people. That that helps massively to kind of shape the direction of the pod. So yeah, I've th- thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and all, all the all the guests, and yeah, that that will continue d- during the season. We've got, got ten games a week instead of nine to talk about. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely need to make sure we're, we're, we're full, fully match fit. But yeah, I look forward to to speaking to you again, uh, talking all about about match day one n- next week. Thank you. Yeah, terrific stuff, Johnny. Thank you ever so much. And yeah, you're right to thank all of our guests over uh, the, yeah, the last four weeks of previews. Um, I could reel them off off the top of my head, but I'm guaranteed that I'd uh, forget at least one, so I won't. But uh, hopefully they all know that their uh, yeah appearances have been very much appreciated by us uh, and the listeners. But I can thank Sam, Brett, Kai, Daniel and Craig for their questions for this week's uh, two episodes. Thanks to Tom for his appearance in part one of this episode. And at the end of uh, part 4A, I neglected to mention or neglected to thank Lewis for uh, for uh, joining us in in that podcast so thanks again uh, lewis and um, yeah we look forward to hearing from both tom and lewis throughout the year uh, that's it then that's it for this episode of the j talk podcast um thanks to all of our patrons for their ongoing support on patreon thanks to you listeners for listening wherever you are and that's it all 20 j1 teams have been previewed we'll be back next week to overreact to j1 match day one speak to you then bye for now the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes.